Thank you, Dave, for leading this morning. Remember Dave in your prayers as he uh, goes to Colchester this evening. If you're a visitor with us this morning, I repeat what's already been said and welcome you in the name of the Lord. I hope you'll feel at home here amongst us this morning. So we come this morning to Psalm 15 as we take our walk through the Psalms. I was speaking to someone someone uh, this past week who was uh, a little concerned that uh, the speed at which we're going through these Psalms, they might not necessarily still be alive to reach their favourite Psalm. Okay? It was one up in the hundreds somewhere. So I said, well, you know, if worse comes to worse, we can always skip to that one and, and come back. You know? So... Uh, there you go. Psalm 15. Who may dwell in your sanctuary? As we come to this psalm this morning, we come once again to a psalm that starts with a question, which in many cases is, is quite helpful. As it, in seeking to answer the question, we very often learn more about God and about his words. And in this case, we, we learn something for ourselves about the sort of people we should be. This is a psalm that should not just be viewed from, from an earthly point of view. But it should also focus our thoughts, perhaps heavenwards, to our future home in glory with God. So David begins, Lord... Who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He addresses God personally. Lord, Yahweh. He wants to find out about the character of a person who will be seen as worthy enough to live in heaven. David doesn't presuppose that he himself is worthy enough. He doesn't come to God and say, look God, you know me, you, you know that I've lived a good life. You know, I've done a few bad things, but, but in the whole, I've lived a good life and, um, you know, I've done a few good things for people. So I deserve a place in heaven. No, he doesn't do that. He comes asking, wanting to see if he is really worthy enough to to dwell there in heaven. I wonder this morning, are we certain of our inheritance in heaven? And if we are, are we striving to be ever more Christ-like? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us, to, to sanctify us through and, and through? David's question automatically supposes that it's a great privilege we even say indeed a great honour to live in heaven as one commentator puts it it's not a privilege given by birth but by rebirth it's got nothing to do with our outward physical social status but it has everything to do with what's inside with what's inside our hearts 
many of you will know the story there in, in Luke 18.18 18, that we read of the rich ruler who comes to Jesus and asks good teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life maybe straight away he, he assumed it was just something something else he could acquire like his earthly wealth but instead he found out that to inherit eternal life sometimes means making painful decisions and sacrifices sometimes it's a case of of losing that which you think is most precious to you to gain that which you don't yet realise is infinitely more precious and of eternal value Jesus tells him sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then follow me I'm sure many of us who who know that passage of scripture will know that the man went away sad because he had great riches those riches there's nothing wrong in having riches but the riches he had they'd, they'd become so great in his life they'd become a snare around his heart and he went away sad you cannot be naturally born into a heavenly inheritance just because you you may be born into a Christian family it in no way guarantees you a free ride to heaven sitting in a church pew on a or on a, on a nice comfy chair that we have here doesn't make you a Christian I love that saying that um, I think it was the sister of Corrie ten Boom once said to her just because a mouse is in the cookie jar doesn't make him a cookie it's the same as us in church isn't it just sitting in church coming to church week by week doesn't make you a Christian just as a mouse in a jar of cookies doesn't make him a cookie it's of course a a great start to be born into a Christian family but each person is responsible before God how they live their lives whether they accept him into their heart or, or reject him and then as a consequence of that are themselves rejected by God on the day of judgment you cannot buy earn or in a worldly way inherit your way to heaven to find the way to heaven you need to look to God to trust in his son Jesus Christ to take direction from his word the Bible and be led by his spirit so just as he asks as to the the character of the citizen of heaven David also mentions here the sanctuary of of the holy hill I think few would disagree that the, the sanctuary or the, the tent or, or tabernacle whatever you would prefer to call it here maybe looks back to the time of Moses there in the, the Old Testament when the tabernacle was a place where the, the priests met with God and we may look at it today and see, as it, see it as the church and ourselves as members of it but maybe if we look forward we see the sanctuary or, or the tabernacle is the place where God resides in heaven 
great place where the church will one day be triumphant one day where all true believers will rejoice in heaven and the holy hill Mount Zion the place where the holy place stands heaven itself the environment in which it resides just as the earthly temple or sanctuary and Mount Zion were places to go and worship God particularly in Old Testament times so the sanctuary or, or God's dwelling place and his holy hill are surely, can surely be images of heaven itself but you know they're not just, just a place to go and, and visit for a day or maybe just go and, and worship for a while then leave and go back home no there will one day be a place to worship and dwell not just for a day but forever they become the believer's home for eternity so David's question is, is an important one everyone needs to know who will dwell in heaven and when we find out make sure that we're among them then not just rest on our, on our laurels so to speak sit back and enjoy it but take comfort from the fact that if we are saved then we're heaven bound and live our earthly lives rejoicing in that assurance rejoicing in the light of our salvation so verse 1 is the big question concerning the way then the following four verses there the psalmist gives the answer to the question he instructs and, and directs us as to the character of the citizen of heaven and maybe as we look through these following verses we'll see that being assured of your place in heaven shouldn't result in us sitting back and doing nothing if we've been reborn into a heavenly inheritance then it should affect the way we live our lives on earth more importantly it should have an effect on the lives of those around us we should be as, as someone once said we should be contagious Christians our love for God and, and the way we joyfully live our lives should be infectious to others it should attract others so they come up to us and say you why are you always looking so happy and then we can tell them so what is the character of a citizen of heaven maybe as we, we look at this this morning we, we perhaps need to ask ourselves not if we fall short in some area but particularly speaking personally I'm sure many of you we would say whereabouts do we fall short and make it our aim by God's grace to, to do better in those areas of our lives where we're found lacking so the citizen of heaven has integrity they're sincere in, in word and action and wholehearted in, in all that they do are we wholehearted in all that we do all the time if you're like me you, you feel you may have already failed 
and we've only just looked at a, a small portion but take heart be strong let's get through this together if I was to pick one thing out here it would be where it says doing everything wholeheartedly it's not easy to be wholehearted particularly in doing God's work when you you come up against difficulties or when those things you you seek to do just, just don't work out for whatever reason or even if you're physically tired often we're our own worst enemies aren't we we see it as wrong to take a break but you know what God designed us so that when we feel tired it's a signal that we need to rest I've personally experienced I have personal experience of, of what happens when you can't switch off from your work and you get stressed out and you end up lying on a hospital bed attached to a heart monitor it wasn't much fun and in 1 Kings God gave Elijah a rest you know after his little encounter with the prophets of Baal and they were all dancing around you know trying to make their you know Baal burn up the sacrifice and it didn't happen and then Elijah you know, just prayed to God you know and poof you know the meat didn't burn it wasn't just the meat that burnt on the sacrifice but it was everything the rocks the whole lot and then of course he had to go for a bit of a run if you know anything of the story anyway he was tired after all that and God gave him rest God sent the birds of the air to feed him if we don't rest then we lose our edge and blunt tools are of very little use to anyone are they you try cutting a piece of wood with a blunt saw it's hard work but what else do we have here the citizen of heaven needs to be honest needs to treat others fairly not lying to others they need to speak honestly and truthfully and in doing so become a trusted and faithful friend even if sometimes what they say to us may at first be difficult to accept it may in the long term cause us to change for the better God may well have brought that person into our lives to say that particular thing just at the right time Proverbs 27 verse 6 says wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses or in the ESV it says profuse are the kisses of an enemy that is to say that you can trust the words from a friend even though at times they may hurt because they come from a desire in that person to correct your behaviour they want to see you change for the better whereas an enemy may flatter you with, with many many kind words it's very true even kisses but when they get close enough and you happen to turn around they'll stab you in the back the future citizen of heaven 
also does his neighbour no wrong. He doesn't seek dishonest gain from his neighbour. He knows that if he hurts his neighbour, he hurts himself. So knowing that, he does good instead and seeks to hurt no one. Thinks of others, builds them up, encourages them. He does to others as he'd have them do to him. Speaks well of people, doesn't gossip or spread untruths. But the reason for treating others well is not just so they'll be nice to us. It's because the Bible teaches us that when we do good to others, we do it unto the Lord himself. Jesus in Matthew 25.40 said, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. That reminds me of one of the ladies that we worked with in Brazil. Dave met her when, when he came out to visit us. Her name is Otacelia. And she continues to this day to, to care for the young folks on the street. I shall never forget the way that she cared for one of the very least of those lads on the street. He'd been, his name's Marcus Antonio. Many of you will no doubt remember um, from our prayer letters about him. He was what they call surfing on a bus, which means he was riding on the back of it, holding on to the exhaust pipe at the back. And he slipped off. And there was a car behind. And he slid up the bonnet and went through the windscreen and killed at least one of the occupants in the car. And then he was taken to hospital. Everyone thought he'd, he'd died because, you know, he had no family around so no one really knew what happened. And several months later he'd discharged himself from hospital because he wasn't allowed to smoke uh, or, or take any form of drugs and so he discharged himself so they put him in a taxi and drove him to this petrol station just around the corner from the church and uh, dumped him on the side of the road on a piece of cardboard and he just laid there for several days by the time we found him he was absolutely filthy he was moaning with pain he had open wounds I don't want to put you off your lunch but where he'd, he'd come off he'd badly damaged his hip and his hip bone was, was visible it was a horrid sight it was Celia, a lady who you know you just walk past in the street you wouldn't take any notice of her really she lived in a and probably still does lived in a very very tiny home with very little income she took time day by day to take food to him and every day or so would one of us would, would help her to, to bathe him and bit by bit she brought him from the, the very brink of death to a point where just before we left he took his, his first steps without his crutches 
she knew what it meant to do unto the least of those. She knew that ministering to those who were totally despised by society, she knew that by doing that, by reaching out in in Christ's name, she knew that she was just as if she was doing it to Christ himself. In addition to blessing others and loving all that is good and upright, the citizen of heaven hates what is evil, despises the wicked. Now there is, unless none of you have seen the news (coughs) in recent weeks, there is no shortage of evil and wickedness around us today. There is plenty for us to become righteously angry about. And that anger should lead us to do something about it. Whether it be speaking to those in authority or becoming directly involved in a, in a peaceful sense. But always bringing it to God in prayer. I think particularly of Archbishop Desmond Tutu who, who this past week retired. He got peacefully involved in the situation there in South Africa. And along with others, he helped to reshape the nation for the better. Furthermore, he or she who he or she loves fellow believers, the citizen of heaven, loves fellow believers, goes the extra mile for them, even if it costs them. So if there are believers you don't particularly like this morning, then ask God to give you an extra portion of his grace in order to love them because you might as well get used to it now because you're going to spend eternity in heaven with them. I'll share this little thought I had the other day. It was good actually when when David got those pictures up there of the one where it talks about your neighbour and it got a picture of a, a white picket fence and I thought, wow, that is amazing. Because the other day I, I sat there thinking about this. And I don't know about you, or your, you may have pictures in your mind sometimes of what, what heaven's like. I know one, one church leader once said, you know, I, I really want to take up hang gliding when I get to, to heaven. And it's like, why? It's like, well, because even if I crash, it says there'll be no death and no pain. It's like, okay, fair enough. But you know, I've always had this idea of heaven. You know, you've got these these beautiful houses. You know, and this, this huge place where God dwells. You know, because it's like many mansions. You know, and I thought there's all these lovely clipped hedges. You know, neat clipped hedges. Perhaps I'd get a job clipping the hedges in heaven. I don't know. Um, and these lovely white picket fences. And then I thought, what happens the first day you wake up there in heaven? This probably won't happen, so just just relax. But I thought, what if you walked out of your front door to to go off to to worship God? And as you come out of your front door, you look, and out of the next mansion or whatever, comes a fellow believer. And that fellow believer is one of the people who on earth used to drive you nuts. You know? And you would just have to say, Hello, brother, or hello, sister. 
let's go and praise God together you know so let's let's get it together here on earth and uh, there'll be no problem in heaven will it anyway I digress the future citizen of heaven (coughs) excuse me the future citizen of heaven lends his money let God be Lord over his finances as well as the other areas of his life the Bible tells us there lends his money <coughs> excuse me lends his money without usury now it's not a, not a word that we uh, tend to use very often is it I've probably not used the word usury since I last read it in the Bible but um, usury is the term to describe the lending of money at interest especially at an exorbitant or illegal rate the Bible says don't do it and neither do you accept bribes of any kind especially bribes that will endanger those who are innocent instead how about giving to the poor so that you may store up treasure in heaven for yourself let God be God over each and every area of your life so that you may be a source of encouragement to others and a force for good in the situations around you. If you do all these things this psalm instructs us to do and there is a great encouragement at the end there. <coughs> He who does these things, it says, will never be shaken. The character of the future citizen of heaven is like Mount Zion itself. Mount Zion cannot be moved. It lasts forever. I wonder, have you ever tried to move a hill or a mountain? I doubt it. Let's think, if ever a new road has to be built and that new road comes up to a hill it's very often a cheaper option these days to to carve a passage through the hill than go around it. But it takes months and months of moving earth and rock with huge excavators before the road surface can be laid. But not so with Mount Zion. God's holy hill It will never be moved just like the citizen of heaven. Why can't we be moved? Because our feet are on the rock of salvation, Jesus Christ. Psalm 125 verse 1 says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be shaken but endures forever Matthew 7 24 to 25 Jesus said therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock the rain came down the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house yet it did not fall because it had his foundation on the rock 
it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock upon what is your life founded this morning are we standing on the rock if we are then God's grace will always be sufficient for us we may be hit by the storms of the world by temptations of many kinds but they will never overcome us they will never destroy us when the citizen of heaven has his feet on the rock has his faith in Jesus Christ nothing can take away his peace and his future hope of heaven this psalm this morning my friends this psalm directs us to walk God's way to follow his commandments and encourages us to do so with a promise of eternal joy and hope.